Check, check. Hello, hello. There we go. All right. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to High Desert Word Center on a wonderful February Sunday morning. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Yeah. As we always say, man, I'd rather be here than the best hospital in all of Southern California. Amen. Who would rather be here than the best prison in all of Southern California? Hallelujah. God's good. Well, we're going to have a great time together this morning. As we know that today is Super Bowl Sunday. But guess what? The best thing going on is happening right here today because we've got the Word of God and we're going to praise Jesus together. Who knows that today? Amen. It is going to be a wonderful, wonderful day together in the house of the Lord. Let's go ahead and stand up. And we are going to open up today by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we are going to keep decreeing and believing that this nation is coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen today? All right, let's speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. All right, well, we're going to take a few minutes here and go around and do a little meet and greet time. So find somebody, give them a hug, a handshake, a fist bump, whatever it takes. Just make sure everybody gets the love this morning. Amen. Let's go.
some of our announcements here, and we have got a lot of stuff going on, which is a good sign, amen. Who would rather go to a church that's got something going on than nothing going on? Yeah. Praise God. All right. Well, a few reminders here. Um, first of all, the missions trip. Uh, if you are interested in the missions trip, uh, we're talking about that. It's going to be going to Honduras in June. Uh, you need to see Miss Cindy grow. I don't know if Cindy's in the house this morning, but uh, there's going to be a meeting on Sunday, February 26th, after the morning service over there in Victory Hall. So make sure that you uh, uh, that you head over there for that on Sunday, the 26th. And all those envelopes that we uh, collected, uh, that if your envelope had a number on it, uh, you'll put the amount of uh, money in there that is labeled on the envelope that you selected. And that will, of course, all go towards the Honduras missions trip. All right. Very good. I don't know what the clicking is, and I apologize for it, but let's just blame Alex because he's the young guy up here. All right. So, Alex, quit that. 
I'm, it's a joke. I'm not really blaming you for it. Uh, we'll get it figured out. So, all right, this Friday night, who knows what's going on on Friday night? It's the Marrieds night, everybody. All right, that's going to be uh, Friday at 6.30 over there in Victory Hall. Uh, it's going to be an Italian pitch-in dinner, so that means bring something to share, uh, Italian-themed, and the best part of all, there's free child care. Let's hear it for free child care, everybody. Yeah. So if you could, please go online to hdwc.org slash married and uh, register, and that way we know who's coming and how many kids to plan for and all that fun stuff, but it's going to be an absolutely wonderful, wonderful night, all right? And then we've got membership class coming up. Who's excited for membership class? That was a little bit weak, but we will forgive you. Uh, we're going to pass the sheet around, and uh, this is going to be on Sunday the 19th. That's next Sunday uh, from 4 to 7 p.m., and I encourage you, if you uh, have been coming for a little bit and you know that, hey, this is going to be my church, this is where I'm putting down my roots, uh, sign up for membership class, and we will make this thing official. And what we do is we have a great time. We go through some of our uh, beliefs and church history and all that stuff, and you get to learn a little bit more about that. And, of course, you know, someone looks at that and they're like, that's a three-hour class. That is a three-hour class. Well, we've already thought that out. Snacks are provided, everybody. Snacks, yes. Snacks are provided. And uh, so, anyway, it's super exciting. But be there, and there's child care for that. And another great thing coming up is worship night. It's coming up on the last Sunday night of this month, the 26th at the p.m. service. We've been wanting to do this for a while. And anyway, uh, it's going to be a night just of worship and, and whatever the Holy Spirit leads us to do that evening. But there's no other agenda involved with it. Uh, just an awesome time together that night. So make sure you're here for that. Also coming up is going to be Financial Peace University. Uh, that's going to be starting on Sunday, March 5th. It's going to run from 5.30 to 7 o'clock. And there's going to be more details coming out for that. But there is child care provided. Notice the theme that there's child care for all these things. So, hey, we're trying to take care of you guys there. So, uh, that'll be, again, starting on Sunday night, March 5th. And then, last but not least, is going to be, in fact, she's with us today for the first time in a long time. Let's hear from my mom. Yeah. <laughs> she's been in Brooklyn, New York for the last month, but she is back with us. So, we are celebrating her 75th birthday on Sunday, March the 12th. Amen. And it's going to be a wonderful celebration. We're going to have a big pitch-in dinner afterwards, and here in the next week or two, we'll have a sign-up sheet out there for that. But uh, it's going to be just a really, really wonderful day that we want the whole family to be here for. Uh, we've got family flying in from out of town for that day, and her sister, she's got a, a sister in Rhode Island that's going to be here. So it's going to be a really, really remarkable day that we want everybody to be involved with. And uh, we're really excited, all right? Well, that's all the announcements, but uh, if you are with us today for the first time, or the first time in a long time, we want to welcome you today. Could you raise your hand real quick? And we have a gift we'd like to give to you. Amen. As my mom says, hey, it looks like it's just all of us home folks today. So that's a good thing. Amen. And I did have one other thing I wanted to remind you of. 
Did you ever notice that we have like a million kids at this church? There's more kids than adults, and that's a wonderful thing. But I want to remind you that, hey, make sure you're watching out for some of the little ones, especially in maybe these hallways where we're coming around corners. We had a little guy kind of get plowed down by an adult last week, and we don't want that to happen. So be mindful of all of our little guys. We love them so much, and we are a family church, and we are a church full of children, and we love them, and we want to take care of them. Does that sound like a pretty... Like wisdom right there. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to have pastor come on up this morning and we are going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. So who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time. God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. All right. We got, oh, there we go. (laughs) All right. Praise God. If you need an envelope, you can raise your hand and the ushers will get one over there to you. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. All right. Envelope. We're having fireworks. For Mrs. Pastor, uh, how many is going to come to the birthday party? Amen. Well, just remember this. It, the body may try to be 75 on the outside, but she's only 50 on the inside. So just make sure you remind her that. <laughs> she, she's a very blessed woman of God, isn't she? Amen. I'll tell you what, it pays to serve Jesus. You just get, get a little bit older and better looking all the time. Mom, we're looking forward to it. All right. Open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 35, 36, and then verse 23. What kind of a church are we? What do we do? Equip the saints for victorious Christian living. And that's what we're going to be doing right now as we look at these verses. We're going to do some more equipping and showing you what we do. How many know... That tithing is the will of God, Old Testament, New Testament. And it's, it's, it's not so much for God as it is for you and for your benefit. It's equipping you to have financial victory while living on earth. Amen? And I want to show you about this here. Verse 35 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of penalties, of reward. The Bible uses the word reward a lot. God likes to reward people. Hebrews 11, 6 says his rewarder are them that diligently seek him. It, it pays to serve God. It's not a curse. It pays to obey God. It's not a curse. You don't go broke by obeying God. You prosper. And we know that Malachi chapter 3 tells us when you bring the tithe into the storehouse, you can prove God. He rebukes the devourer for you. He opens the windows of heaven, pours out his blessing upon your life in every area. And so... Uh, says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense and reward. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Well, I just talked about the promise. The will of God is to bring the tithe in, and the promise is your whole life's going to be blessed by doing that. But he said that you cast not away your confidence. I'm going to show you how not to cast away your confidence. Number one, you get confidence by knowing what the Bible says. Well, you know the will of God, you can have confidence. That's what God wants to do for you. And then he says, after you've done the will of God, well, concerning finances, he said, bring the tithe in. 
That's the will of God for your money. You give God 10% off the gross of what you get blessed with in life. And so when you do the will of God, you said you have need of patience. Well, the word patience doesn't just mean waiting. That means to be constant and consistent. Be constant and consistent with how you live, what you say, and how you act. And so verse 23 tells you how to keep your confidence active and keep your faith working. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And so as you're a person that brings your tithe faithfully to Jesus, and you're a person that lives a life for Christ that he tells you to live, then you're supposed to be talking right all the time through your life. And the devil will tempt you. Things will try to come against you. And you think, well, this isn't working. I don't know why. Why, God? Why, God? Why, God? You want to murmur? You want to complain? You want to give up? You want to stop? You want to quit? He says, don't cast away your confidence. Hold fast to confess your faith without wavering. And so I, I asked you the question a while ago about what kind of church we are. We equip you for a victorious Christian living. And he says right here that your confession, what you say out of your mouth, has everything to do with the victory in your life. It says, he is faithful that promised. And I've said many, many times, my wife and I don't tithe to the church. We tithe to Jesus, and he uses it in his church. Amen. We bring our tithe to Jesus. When we get paid, the first thing we do is write out a check to High Desert Word Center because this is our church. It's our storehouse. And then we together in our house, we speak to the Lord over it. We thank him for what he promised. We thank you for what he's doing. And we hold the tithe up to him. And then when we get to the church, it's almost like making a deposit in the bank. You know, sometimes you make out a deposit ticket at home, then you take it to the bank to get it registered and get your money in there. Well, that's what we do for our tithe. We make out a deposit ticket at home. We bring it to church. We put it in the offering. And then it's official. It's in his hands. Amen. Does that help anybody? And so, and so the equipment of the saints part is showing you what you're supposed to confess, your confession of faith. And we call this here our financial faith confession. You hold fast to saying these things that are aligned with God's word. No matter what it looks like, you keep on reminding him of what you're believing and thanking him for what he told you to do. Amen? So let, let's stand up and let's hold fast to our confession of faith by saying our financial faith confession again. Amen. All right. You ready? As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give gifts to the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free to join us at the altar for worship today. We're going to sing together. Arise, my soul. Remember this. He took my sin and he buried it. No longer I who live. 
Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. No, I won't boast, but in the cross that saved my soul. All else is lost. The grip of fear has no hold on me. So where, oh death, where is your sting? No longer I who live. Now Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. Sing, I won't boast. No, I won't boast. But in the cross that saved my soul. All else is lost. The grip, the grip of fear has no hold on me. So where, oh death, where is your sting? No longer I who live. Now Jesus lives in me.
Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen troubled souls delivered. We've seen addicts finally free. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We'll see cities in revival and salvation flood the streets. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We'll see glory fill the nations like the world has never seen. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Cause I know that he can. I believe you're the wonder working God. You're the wonder working God. All the miracles I've seen. You're too good to not believe. You're the wonder working God. And you heal because you love. All the miracles I'll see. You're too good to not believe. You're too good. You're too good to not believe. You're too good to not believe. Let's tell them what we've seen. We've seen cancer disappear. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen families reunited. We've seen prodigals return. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We've seen troubled souls delivered. We've seen addicts finally freed. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We'll see cities in revival like the world has never seen. Don't you tell me. You're too good to not believe. 
raise our hands for a minute this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we have seen miracle after miracle. We have seen healing after healing, Lord, deliverance after deliverance because of your love. Lord, we love you. We praise you today. And we ask that you would have your way in this service. If there's any burdens that we've brought in, any cares, any anxiety, Lord, we cast those cares upon you right now. We're just going to hand those off to you this morning because you care about us, Lord. And you, Lord, you want to speak to us today. You want to change things in our life. You want to bring us closer to you. And Father, we choose to lay anything else aside and follow after you this morning. And I pray that as we study the word, as we look to you, Lord, that you're speaking to each one of us, Lord, and that we have ears to hear. We have soft hearts to receive the word of God today. We love you and we praise your name, Jesus. Have your way in our midst. You are so good to us, Lord. Hallelujah. We praise your name today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can we give him some praise today? Amen. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. Who knows that this morning? That His mercy endures forever and ever and ever. His mercies are new every single morning. Has there ever been a time that you've needed the mercy of God? Aren't you glad it didn't run out on you? Yeah. (laughs) Amen. He is so good to us. Well, we're going to have a good time together today, and uh, I'm I'm excited to get into the Word. Um, I've put some study into it this week, you know, even more so than normal, and I just know that that God has some things to get over to us. So, uh, who knows what our sermon series has been since the beginning of January? That's right. It's been about roots... And that's been based off of Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Who knows what Colossians 2, 7 says? Anybody? All right. Well, if you don't, what you need to do is go back there and get you a High Desert Word Center calendar. It's a beautiful 2023. Amen. And you think I'm selling something, I'm not. They're free. They're just back there. So anyway, someone left. I don't know who put this on the pulpit, but anyway, it's up here. And uh, Colossians 2.7 is our theme verse for 2023. And we are really taking the time to dig into this verse. And th- that's why this week is part six. But it says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with 
thankfulness. And, and as I look at our church and the great things God has done, that right there is what we're aiming for. We are aiming for a church full of people that have their roots grown down in to Jesus. Amen? And their lives are built upon Jesus. And what happens when your life's like that? Your faith grows strong in the truth you were taught. Who in here would like to have strong faith? Yeah, come on. You don't want to be a weakling forever. You want strong faith so God can do some mighty and miraculous things in your life. And so we're going to dig into the word here today. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers are going to get you one. Now check it out. Uh, and, and in honor of Super Bowl Sunday today, we're going to go deep. All right. So you're like, what? Listen, this isn't going to be a little handoff. We are going deep on this this morning. And uh, today I'm going to take on for the first little part of the message here, the introduction part, one of the most complex biblical doctrines and break it down in terms that we can all understand. And and so my goal is I'm, I, I want to do a little teaching, first of all, and then get into what uh, we're really uh, talking about. But today, for the first little bit here, we're going to be looking at the doctrine of the Holy Trinity, all right? The Trinity. And uh, and so what you got to realize is on a Sunday morning especially, we've got everything in this room from somebody that, that, that they've been born again and serving God longer than I've been alive. I get that, right? Some of you have been serving. I've even found out some of you have been in this exact church longer than I've been alive. And like, that's incredible. So hats off to you. You're great. You're wonderful. You are a rock. And then we've got people in the, in the, in the sanctuary that... That they've been saved for two or three weeks. And so if I say something like, let's talk about the Trinity, some people are like, man, I learned about that 50 years ago, son. And then some people are like, what in the world is that? And so it is our job as a church to, to teach some of these what we would usually call basic biblical doctrines, but I really want to discuss the the, the Trinity this morning and and break this down. And and for some of you, you've you've been familiar with this forever. And I'll say this: that there's not a person in this room that fully grasps the magnitude and the uh, power of the Godhead. The Holy Trinity, three and one. None of you do, and, and I certainly don't. Now, the Trinity, the doctrine of the Holy Trinity is something that every evangelical Bible-believing church will believe and agree upon. And we don't talk about it a lot, but I got to discuss this because this is a non-negotiable. There are some things that, you know, that uh, we can just agree to disagree on. Uh, some things like our church believes in speaking in tongues, and I get that some churches don't. Well, I'm not going to go down to the church that doesn't believe in it and push that belief onto them. That's stupid. And I'm not going to have them come in here and push their thing off onto us. All right. There's some things that, you know what, we can agree to disagree on, but the the doctrine of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is a non-negotiable. This is the Holy Trinity. Now, the truth of the matter is, and, and some of you, you know, you're like, well, I've just heard it forever. That's why I believe it. But honestly, it's one of the most difficult uh, doctrines, it seems, to fully comprehend. Because our human mind is not wired to understand three separate things are all one thing 
at the same time. They're all, and people will be like, oh yeah, I, I get the Trinity. It, you know, it's three gods into one. No, it's not three separate gods. It's one God, right? In fact, Deuteronomy, one of the earliest things that the Hebrew people had to learn was, uh, behold, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. There's one God, make no mistake about it, but there is the, it's the Holy Trinity, three in one. And our human mind is like, it has a difficult time fully grasping this miraculous and powerful truth from Scripture. And uh, I'm going to share a few analogies, all right, that bring us a little step closer to understanding the Holy Trinity. But I'll say that none of them fully grasp in every single way the magnitude and perfection of the Holy Trinity, all right? And so uh, you're used to me preaching and yelling and screaming. I do a little spitting every now and then. I, you know, I, I do a few cartwheels and stuff. And I'm going to get to that, all right? That's coming in a few minutes. But I'm going to teach for here for a second because I need us to understand some of these things. And I, and, and I get it that not everybody uh, knows all of this. So I want, I want to tackle this because it's going to get us into the next couple of weeks of sermons. But talking about the Trinity Three in one. Our God is three in one. One popular and simple illustration analogy uh, that, that I've heard is the concept of the egg. All right. You've got the outer shell. You've got what the egg white. And then you've got the yolk. And they're they're th- they're all the egg, but they're all just three separate and, and distinct parts of the egg and you put it all together and you've got the one egg and and, you know that's a decent illustration another one that i've heard of is the illustration of the apple you've got the outer skin right and then you've got the fruit part the inside part that you eat and then you've got the core right in the middle well which part's the apple well that's all the apple all three together make what we know as the apple and another illustration that I heard of, and, and again, these are just all help us understand a little bit, though they aren't a perfect illustration. Another illustration that I've heard of is the illustration of water. It can come in many forms, but it's all H2O when you break it down. You could have straight water, you know, that you're going to drink. You can have ice. What's ice? Well, it's water. It's just a different form of water. And then what do you have? You could have something like steam. And it's also, it's a vapor. It's still water. They're all water. And they all come from the same thing. Now, again, I don't believe that any of these analogies are perfect. But they do give us a little bit of a further glimpse into how three can be one. Now, the Bible does not actually contain the word Trinity in it. So if you're going to go look for the word Trinity in the Bible, you're not going to find it. But fun fact, the Bible also doesn't contain the word Bible in it. All right? So, you know, go looking for that. You won't find it. But it's an awesome, awesome truth that is taught in Scripture. Now, again, it seems that the, the church father, Tertullian, who loves Tertullian, man? Gosh, love that guy. Who knows who he is? All right, very good. So... He was born in A.D. 160, but uh, it seems that he was the first one to apply the term Trinity to God. And what this does is, is it simply puts a name to the very obvious facts that the Bible points out from cover to cover. So I want you to listen. I'm going to share some Bible passages for a few minutes. These aren't on the screen and they're not on your handout. But if you're a note taker, follow along with these because I'm teaching you something right now that as a Christian, you need to know. 
And sometimes we want to study the things that we seem like are super fun and, and, and all that. But there are Bible doctrines that are that what we would call basic elementary truth that you as a Christian need to grow. And why would we even talk about this? Because we are getting our roots into him this year. I'm trying to raise up some knowledgeable and mature Christians that can give a reason for what they believe. Don't you like it when someone comes up and says, why do you even believe that? Do you like that? Well, well, if you have an answer for what you believe, you like that. If the only thing you can say is, well, I don't know, the preacher talked about it Sunday, that's why I believe it, that's not a good enough reason, okay? They might not even like us, so... I, what we got to do is this, is that we as Christians, we need to start learning enough of the Bible that we can defend and give an answer for what we actually believe. And that's what we're doing here for just a few minutes. And, 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 and we'll get into some preaching here in just a minute. But I'm going to share a few Bible passages really quick so you can either turn there quickly or write them down and, uh, and see why it is we believe in a holy trinity. Who's excited for this? Yeah. Woo. All right. So I'll tell you this, that you will see the trinity from Genesis to Revelation. And one of the earliest verses that I can see that points to proof of the Holy Trinity is Genesis 1.26. And I reference this verse a lot, but I'm going to go quick right now, all right? I'm just telling you, I'm going to go quick, so write and follow the best you can. But Genesis 1.26, right in the beginning, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Why is God referring to himself in the plural? Why? Because the truth of the matter is, is that he is three in one. God refers to himself right here at the beginning. Let us make man in our image. And another great thing out of this verse is it's further proof of a great example of a trinity because mankind are made in the image of of God. And so if God is a three-part being, you are a three-part being. And what 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 is your three parts? Well, it's spirit, soul, and body. And we see that throughout the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, that human beings are made up of three parts: spirit on the innermost part of you, soul, which is as we have studied your emotions and your mind, and then your body, which is the part we focus on the most, but it's really the least part of you because this is the most temporary part of you that there is. I mean, best case, it's going to live 100, 120 years on the absolute best case. But your spirit will exist forever. Hopefully in heaven if you receive Jesus, but if you don't receive Jesus, it'll still exist. It'll just be in hell. And so don't spend all of your time focusing on the most shallow part of who you are. You need, I mean, you need to take care of this whole thing. You know, you need to take care of it, but I am much more focused on the innermost part of who I am, my spirit, my heart. And some people, they'll exercise, they'll take vitamins, they'll put, you know, they'll do everything they can. They'll eat just the right diet. They will put so much effort into this part and totally neglect the real you. That's messed up. 
That is messed up, all right? None of you guys do that, all right? None of, okay, so anyway, but Genesis 1, 26, God refers to himself in the plural and also says that mankind is made in his image. So you yourself are a trinity, a triune being. You're not the holy trinity. We're not saying that, but a trinity means a three-part being, all right? And so a few other things, the book of Revelation uh, it doesn't, again, use the word Trinity, but the, the, the doctrine and the teaching of it is all wrapped up in the last book of the Bible as well. In fact, the book of Revelation references God the Father 214 times. It references Jesus the Son about 80 times, and it references the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, at least 17 times. Now, I'm going to say a verse. I'm not turning there, but you can write it down or look there. Uh, but a verse that I find interesting in the book of Revelation is Revelation 4 and verse 8. And it talks about worshiping at the throne. But it, it says, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. You're like, what in the world are you reading right now? It's the Bible. You would love the book of Revelation sometime. <laughs> you ought to read it. It'll rock your socks, man. But anyway, here's what this, these creatures are, are saying as they worship God. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, you'll notice many times in Scripture, in, in times of worship or praise, you'll see, Holy, holy, holy. And I, I personally fulfill, feel that this is an acknowledgement of the triune God. Holy, holy, holy. Who believes that God is holy today? Amen. He is set apart. There is nobody like him. Nobody on the same level as God. And watch yourself that you don't put anything else on the same level as him. Now, a few other New Testament references. All right, follow me still, all right? I'm teaching that I'm going to preach. But check it out. A few other New Testament references to further cement the truth of the Holy Trinity. And there's thousands of references, so please don't think this is all we've got. We've got a lot more. But did you know that you can see the Holy Trinity in the Christmas story? Yeah, absolutely. You can see the Trinity in the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35... Whenever the angel is appearing to Mary, the angel replied, The Holy Spirit, there's one, will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God, there's number two, will overshadow you. So the baby, who knows who the baby was? All right, there's number three. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right there at the birth and the conception of Jesus Christ himself. There it is, all right? How about at the baptism of Jesus? This is probably the best example in the whole Bible right here. When Jesus got baptized, Father, Son, Holy Spirit were all in the same place at the same time. Luke chapter 3, 21 through 22. For you note takers, Luke 3, 21. Uh, so Jesus, all right, it says one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. Do you think that you should be baptized? You should, absolutely. Now, baptism is not what gets you to heaven, but I'll tell you this. If Jesus Christ himself thought that he needed baptized, I guarantee you that you need dipped in the water too. 
you're not better than Jesus, all right? (laughs) Everybody should get baptized after they've received Jesus and confessed him as Lord. So as he was praying, all right, we've already got Jesus in the water. The heavens opened up. And what happened? The Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven, that's the voice of the Father, said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. We've got Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in the same place at the same time. And don't you think that would have been something to see right there? Jesus in the water, the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove, and the audible voice of God booming out of heaven. Oh my gosh, I would have loved to have been there that day. Just to have been a witness to that moment would have been incredible. One more thing I'll tell you is, you can see the work of the Holy Trinity at the resurrection of Jesus. And think about another moment. Man, I'm looking at these Bible stories and I'm like, gosh, I would have wanted to have seen that. That would have been great to be there. This is another one. So, there's not one single verse that says, Father, Son, Holy Spirit at the resurrection. But if you study scripture out, you're going to see it. For instance, in John 2, 19, Jesus himself said that he would raise himself. Jesus, all right? There's one. How about Romans 8, verse 11? It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So we've got the Son, we've got the Holy Spirit, and Galatians 1, verse 1 says, God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. There it is again. We've got number three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's incredible. And I'm just going to quote one last verse just to further cement this truth in our hearts. But 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so which one is God? All God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all God. Well, which one's the most important? They're all the most important. They're equal And they are one. So, why did I take a few minutes to do that? Because you need to know what the Holy Trinity is, and you need to know why it is we actually believe that, even when that word itself is not found in Scripture, okay? And so, here's where I'm coming at right now. I want to take a few minutes today to just look at the Father, what we would call, you know, the first part of the Holy Trinity, we're going to take a minute this morning to look at, number one, the Father God. Who loves, who loves the Father this morning? I mean, and, and as we study this, you know, I, I want to know God on every level that I can. I want to know every part of who he is the best that I can. Now, I realize that I will never fully know everything about God. That's impossible. He's much too big for me to fully comprehend. My human mind can't contain that. But that's not going to stop me from getting to know him the best that I can. I want to know him as the Father. I want to know Jesus the Son, and I want to know the Holy Spirit. Amen? And and uh, we're going to look at these over the next couple of weeks. And, and the truth of the matter is this, by far, the average Christian knows the least about the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, uh, most people do not really know anything about the Holy Spirit. And we will get to that in a few weeks. But this morning, I want to kick things off in this study for a few minutes with talking about God 
the Father. Who wants to listen for a minute this morning and receive what, what the Word is telling us? And so, as we look at God, the biggest attribute that I want to study is the role of a Father that He is in our lives. Now, if you did not have a good Father in your life, this can be a little bit hard for you to understand. Now, that's why it's so important for the Christian dad to step up and be a man of God and show his children what a good dad is. Amen? That is vitally important, dads, that we show our kids. Because, I mean, I'm not going to get into all this, but study after study after study after study has shown us that most kids develop their religious uh, ideology or or practices or commitment level based upon their dad. And I don't like that. I really don't like that because most of the time women take their spirituality much more seriously. You can look back. It's, it's, it's nearly comical, but it's sad. This is not just something that's new to America. You can look at church documents dating back 2,000 years when they took attendance, and it's overwhelmingly women's names on the roll. It's always been that way, and it's sad, yet time and time again, for whatever reason, most children will adapt to their dad's pattern of faith. Now, that's not to discourage any, because I've got a lot of single moms in here that are doing their best, and I claim in the name of Jesus, those children are going to follow your example in the faith this morning. Amen? So don't take that as discouragement. In Jesus' name, they're following you. But I think of one example in my life, man, a, a woman that is, you know, that I'm related to. I don't want to throw too much out there, but just the most wonderful lady in the world, an angel, a saint, and I mean, just lived for God forever. Her husband was a complete jerk. I mean, just a bad guy, honestly, just not a good guy at all. And the, the kids couldn't stand him, but they loved their mom to, to no end. I mean, they adored her, but in the thinking end, even though they couldn't stand their dad, they followed his lousy example of the faith and abandoned hers. And I'm like, why is that? And so I'm just telling us this morning, dads, it is so important that we model the pattern of what a good, loving father is today. Amen. And I'm going to tell you right now that, yeah, sometimes if you didn't have a good dad, you, 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 you don't, you have a hard time receiving and understanding and grasping the love of God. Sometimes I've noticed that. But I've also noticed that for some of you that didn't have a great dad, when you get a hold of this, you don't take it for granted what it means to be loved by a father. And that's an unbreakable thing. That, that is a beautiful thing that you can cling to in your life. And so we're going to be talking about the role of God specifically as a father. And, and he's so many things. Uh, and, and it would be impossible to ever cover all the things that God is to us. You couldn't do it. But we're going to we're going to take a few minutes to try to do this. So, I heard I I was reading a a, a writing from a Christian minister and she said this and I'm just going to read this, but I thought this was really good for us as we study God the Father. She said one of the main reasons people hold false perceptions of God is our tendency to project onto God the unloving characteristics of the people we look up to. Now, don't let me lose you on this. Please follow me for a minute. 
She said, we tend to believe that God is going to treat us as others do. So if your father was distant, impersonal, and uncaring, and he wouldn't intervene for you, you may see God as having the same characteristics. As a result, you may feel that you are unworthy of God's intervention in your life. You may find it difficult to draw close to God because you see him as disinterested in your needs and wants. If your father was a pushy man who was inconsiderate of you and used you, you may see God in the same way. You may feel cheap or worthless in God's eyes, and you may feel that God will force you, not ask you, to do things you don't want to do. If your father was like a drill sergeant, demanding more and more from you with no expression of satisfaction or burning with anger with no tolerance for your mistakes, you may have cast God in that same image. You may feel that God will not accept you unless you meet his demands, which seem unattainable. This perception may have driven you to maybe become a perfectionist, just trying to prove that you're good enough to somebody that you care about. If your father was weak and you couldn't depend on him to help you or defend you, your image of God may be that of a weakling. You may feel that you are unworthy of God's comfort and support or that he is unable to help you. If your father was overly critical and constantly came down hard on you, or if he didn't believe in you or your capabilities and discouraged you from trying, you may perceive God in the same way. Maybe you don't feel as if you're worth God's respect or trust. You may even see yourself as a continual failure deserving all the criticism you receive. You got quiet up in here today, and I knew that was going to happen, all right? Because, again, I told you, we're not doing a handoff here. We're going long today because I'm going I'm to challenge you a little bit today, all right? And so you, if you're going to really grow in your faith, you have got to get in your heart a good grasp on who God the Father is. Don't see him as some angry old man that's just waiting. Wait for it. Wait for it. She missed it. God's not up there waiting to pounce on your mistakes. He's up there willing and able to help you overcome those mistakes. Now, as a dad, you know, I'm, I will admit it, and maybe you guessed it, I'm not the strictest, most hardcore, hard-nosed dad in the world. I should probably be harder than what I am, and I understand that. But at the same time, I don't want my kids constantly having to live in a fear of the father and like, oh my gosh, what, I don't want to make him out today. Because they will eventually, and I know this, begin to interpret and see God the Father through the pattern and the lens that I have created for them. And I don't want them to see God as some angry, bitter, hostile, ready to blow up and rage old man at them. Now, truth be told, does God have a judgment side to him? Yes, he does. God is a God of justice. Eventually, if you don't, you know, turn to him and you keep consistently, you know, running against him. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There is a judgment side but the scripture tells us time and time again that he is rich in love and slow to anger. God can be pushed to that side, absolutely, but that's not his first choice. And if your dad was 
rich in anger and slow to love, get that pattern out of your mind. I'm sorry that he was like that, but that's not who my father is. My father's there to receive me and to welcome me and to forgive me and to help me overcome my weaknesses. Amen? And so we're talking about how you need to be able to view God the Father. He is loving. He is kind. And he is there to help us when we need him the most. Who knows that this morning? So we're going to talk about three, amen, three attributes of the Father. Now, we, we're doing three, but there's a million. So, you know, you just study that out on your own right there. But we're specifically looking at some of the fatherly, uh, masculine, I guess, aspects of God the Father today. And I want you to listen up because you need to see this. So number one is he protects. God the Father is a protector of his children. And one job of any father is to protect, protect his children. And, uh, you know, most of us men, listen up, we know that we're supposed to protect them physically, and most of us don't have much of a problem, you know, uh, accepting that role. But did you know that you're supposed to protect your children spiritually as well? Yeah. I mean, I know some guys, like, you know, they'll, they'll do anything to protect their kids physically, yet they'll let the devil right into their house and spiritually wreck them and abuse them. Well, how would they do that? Well, let's just throw it out there. I mean, what's coming through your TV that the kids are watching? You realize that, I mean, that's an open door to the devil. Tell some of the stuff that's on there. I'm not going there. I know I'm going to sound like the old man, but maybe you heard. I, know, I trust none of you watched this, but like the Grammy Awards last Sunday night. Good Lord! Straight evil and demonic. And, and you know, I know not as many people watch it as they used to, thank God. But you're going to watch something like that and then wonder why the devil is giving your children nightmares? You didn't protect them. You didn't protect them. You know, you may, you may buckle up and put a helmet on them and, and give them a bulletproof vest and do everything to protect their body. And that's fine. You know, I mean, you could go overboard there. But anyway, you know, uh, you may do everything you can to protect them on the outside, but it's also our role to protect their spirits and their souls and their minds. Can I get an amen today? And so God Almighty is a protector, and he wants to protect us on every single level. And you need to know that he's the ultimate protector and defender. Let's look at Psalm 91. Can we go there? Psalm 91. Who's having a good time today? Amen. I personally feel you picked a great day to come to church. but that's My personal opinion. Psalm 91, and this is a very well-known passage of Scripture. Very, very well known. And man, I especially stood on this when COVID came knocking a couple years ago. You know what I mean? So Psalm 91, and we're going to look here. The the entire chapter is absolutely incredible. But we're just going to look at the first few verses, specifically in the lens of God being our Father and our Protector. So Psalm 91 Verses 1 through 4, it says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High. That's talking about God the Father, who lives in the shelter of the Most High. 
Amen? And those who abide under the shelter of the Most High. And so when you live somewhere, you're not just visiting. You don't just drive by. I mean, that is where you reside. That's where you live. And so this verse is not talking about a lukewarm, half-baked, part-time, when they feel like it, Christian. This is talking about the legit ones. This is talking about the real deal. You are rooted and planted with God the Father, He is your life. Do I have anybody like that today where you could say, no, 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 this isn't just a hobby I have, this is everything that I have. And so, when you live in the shelter of the Most High, you will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord, He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. And these days, everyone's like, I need to go to my safe space. I need to go play with Play-Doh. I need to go. Listen, you go play with your Play-Doh. This is my safe space right here. Amen. Right here, the almighty God. This is my refuge, my fortress, my place of safety. Check it out. He is my God and I trust him for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. I don't make light of any disease or anything. I mean, I had cancer and I didn't like it. God healed me of it, thank God. So I don't take it as a joke, but that's why I didn't flip my world upside down and hide under a rock for three years when COVID came because I believed in the protection from deadly disease. Do with that what you may. Judge me, call me mean. I'm just, it's the Bible. Verse four. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. Check it out. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. And you can read all the next verses there and they are just as good. But what I'm trying to get at is this is a beautiful description of who God our Father is as our protector. He is our refuge. Amen? He is our fortress, our place of safety. And check it out. What did he say? He is my God, and I trust him. And so when God is your father, when you know him as father, when you receive him into that role in your life, you'll quickly find out that the whole world could be against you, but your dad's right there for you. And that's all that matters. Amen. That dad's in your corner. And that's all you need. You need the father. Amen. And so when we have the confidence that God is our father, fear is not a problem. Fear is no longer a problem in our life. I read a story, and I've shared this, but I read a story about a group of scientists. They were studying flowers and noticed through their binoculars a really rare flower laying deep down in a ravine on the side of a mountain. So they, a little boy, a curious little young boy, was, was watching and you know, asked the scientist, what you doing? You know, kids do that. And why? Why? Do your kids ask why like a million times? Why? Why? And so anyway, they're like, you know what? Hey, little boy, you can do us some good right here. We will pay you $100 if you will, you know, put this harness on and, and we'll hold the rope. We'll hold it. We've got you secure. If you would just scale down there and get that flower for us and bring it back, we'll give you $100. And the little boy thinks about it for a minute. He's like, wait right here. He runs, comes back a few minutes later with it, with another grown man. And he's like, I'll get your flower if this guy holds the rope. 
And they're like, well, who's that guy? That's my dad. I trust him. And so I'm telling you, if my dad is the one holding the rope, I will do anything that I need to do in this life. Amen. Why? I trust him. I don't trust every old buddy in the world, even if someone's like, hey, here's some money right here. Come and get it. Come and get it. No, no, absolutely not. Listen, if God is your father, you don't have to go through life constantly afraid and panicked. He's got you. He's your refuge. He's your fortress. He's your place of safety. My God in him will I trust. Somebody say amen today. And so I'm going to look at number two here, aspects and attributes of God being the father, a good father. Number one, he'll protect you. Number two, he provides. Oh, he's a good father. He provides for all of his children's needs. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. Matthew 6, verses 25 through 33. Are you grateful you came to church on Super Bowl Sunday? Amen. Some of your buddies decided to stay home and cook their chicken wings, but it's okay. We forgive them. We forgive them. Matthew 6, starting at verse 25. And we're going to look here at some beautiful words from Jesus. But you'll notice at the end of this passage, Jesus makes all these promises and said, Hey, this is your father that's going to do this for you. So Matthew 6, starting at verse 25, Jesus says, That is why I tell you, not to worry about everyday life. God's children don't need to be sitting there worrying about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, is a life more than food and your body more than clothing? Yeah. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Don't you think that if God can feed the birds, he can feed you and your kids? Don't you think if God can give the birds feathers and clothe them, that he can take care of our needs as well? Verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No, they can't, but they can take moments away from your life. Verse 28, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? That's not, I mean, nobody wants to hear that, but that's what Jesus is saying to these people right here. He's like, if he could take care of the flowers, you are so much more valuable to God than a flower is. A flower is only here temporarily. You're going to exist forever. Why do you have so little faith? Verse 31, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Verse 32, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Here's what I'm getting at. But who? Your heavenly Father. Your Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you 
everything you need. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a father right there. Now, there's some things, you know, my kids want, and, you know, I'm going to make them work for it and earn it. You know, you want a new PlayStation or whatever, you know, you may need to work for that. But my kids, and you may parent how you want to, my kids don't have to work to put shelter over their head. I'm just going to give that to them because I'm their dad. My kids, they don't have to work and earn their food every night. I provide that because I'm their dad. That's my job. My kids, you know, there's some things, yeah, they got a, you know, my one boy wanted a Nintendo Switch. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I could have bought that if I wanted to. I didn't want to. So, <laughs> he worked and worked and worked. He pulled tree stumps out of people's yards. He cleaned. He worked his little behind off, and he earned nearly $400 or whatever it was to buy it and all the accessories, you know, at, a, at a 10 years old. And I'm like, hey, he earned that, okay? Amen. He got that. I, I did not buy that. He bought every penny of that. But there's some things he doesn't have to come in and I... Please, Father, some crumbs from the table. I want you. Please, if it be thine will, Father, please, I'm starving. I mean, what kind of a dad would say, you didn't earn food today? My gosh, get out there and shovel the yard. Maybe then you'll earn enough and be worthy enough of food. If that's how you parent, come see me afterwards because you're doing a bad job. So, no. There are some things, these needs, man, I just provide. I, I already, I, 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 and, and it's not because I feel like I have to. I had all these kids, now i got to feed them. No, I want to because I love them. I love them. It brings me joy to feed them. It brings me joy to clothe them. It brings me joy to bless them and do good things for them. I like doing it. Why? Because I love them. And God the Father, some people, again, they've got this wrong idea of God. Father, I don't want to bug you, but the kids need shoes. Or, Father, I don't want, please, I know I don't deserve it. I'm so unworthy. I'm so bad, 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 bad. I don't deserve it, but Lord, I need this in my life, if you could, please. You don't got to talk to your dad that way. No, he will give you everything that you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Gloria Copeland always says, the world will lend it to you, but God will give it to you. And some of us, we're going to the world for things that our dad will just give to us if we'd ask him. I don't need them. I don't need their money and resources. I mean, I need money to live, but check it out. God's my provider. Why do I need to go to some hell-bound heathen and beg the poor Christian can't get enough? No. God the Father will provide for all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Amen? You've got to get a hold of God is our provider. And I especially think that as we move further and further into the end times, that it's really important, uh, more so than ever, that we get some of these revelations I'm talking about, that God is your protector, that God is your provider. Because as we've seen, even here in America, there's things that used to be readily available that you can't get anymore. 
Or if you did, the price has tripled and quadrupled and what's, I don't know what five is, but anyway, you know, that's just gone up a bunch, right? And, and so, and some of these things, and you, if you know, well, it's okay, my dad's the provider, my God's the provider, I'm not worried about it, I got this, we got this, we'll be okay. You need to know that God is your provider, because I know this much, most of us in America have never been in a spot where we've really had no other option than to trust God for our food and basic needs. And if you have, it probably hasn't been for prolonged periods of time. I've been to third world countries, and it's not pretty. They, some of them, have to, their only option is to trust God that, that somehow food's going to show up for their kids that night. And so, listen to me, we don't know, we don't know everything that's going to happen to the world before Jesus comes back. I know a lot of it's not going to be pretty, but I know this much, that I'm also not afraid about it, because God is my dad. He's my provider. He protects for us. And again, you know, maybe you're like, well, I've been through hard times. We've all been through some level of hard times. I'm, don't get me wrong. I've seen poor times. Listen, when my family used to walk past the duck pond, the ducks threw bread at us. Like, oh, I feel bad. Jeez. I feel bad for them. Wow. That's bad. <laughs> One time some friends saw my brother, Pastor Josh, kicking a can down the street. And I said, well, what are you doing? And he said, moving. Anyway, all right. But I'm saying, we've all seen some hard times before. But you don't have to lay awake at night, tossing and turning and full of anxiety and stress. If you know that God is your Father. Who knows this morning that God's the Father? He's there for us. And I bet every single person in here, if you've been born again very long, you can think to a time when God the Father came through and provided for you. Do you have a time where you know, like, you didn't have it, but God had it, and he gave it to you? Ever think about that? And it's incredible that God can get the provision to us any number of ways. And I don't, I don't tell God how to do his job. I'm just here to receive it. Amen? My job is to trust and obey and his job is to be the provider. I love it. And he, he's, there's so many different ways that God has brought provision into my life over the years that I love it. But I was just thinking um, the other night about a time that uh, God used a very strange way. Uh, when I was really little, yeah, we honestly, we, we, it was rough. We didn't have a whole lot of money at the time. And I remember one time we were supposed to go on a school field trip the next day. And the cost, believe it or not, it was $1 per kid for this little field trip. And we, my youngest brother wasn't old enough, so it was the three of us older. We didn't have $3 to go. It was going to go to the bowling alley in our hometown. There, And so we didn't have $3. And I remember, I don't know if mom and dad may not remember this, but we were in the living room. I remember the fireplaces going, and, and, and dad was just like... God's going to get us $3. Do you think God doesn't have $3? God's going to bring $3. It'll be here by the morning. Go ahead and call and tell them that the kids are going. And so, you know, mom's got us, you know, got us on the spot or whatever. So we could go. And a little bit later that evening, we get a phone call. It wasn't an angel. It was my drunk redneck uncle. It was great. (laughs) 
hey, I don't tell God, I don't question, I just go along with the provision, amen? And so what was really weird is, is my uncle, and he was, you know, at one of his local establishments, and he didn't want to drive drunk that night, which in and of itself is a miracle, because every other night he wanted to. So uh, so he he calls, and he's like, hey, can I get a ride home from the bar? And I remember my dad going, do you have $3? I'll be right there. And so my dad picked him up, and God delivered, not through an angel, but through my drunk hillbilly uncle that night. Amen? It was great. So I don't have to, you know, however he gets the bread here, I don't care, all right? I just know that he is the provider, and he'll get it here to us. Amen? In the Old Testament, God talked through a donkey to get the prophet's attention. If God can use a talking donkey... He can use my drunk, redneck, billy uncle. So, it's good stuff. So, God will get it to you. You just got to believe. And don't tell him how to do his job. All right, number three, it's this. Number three, talking about ways and attributes of the Father. Number three is he loves. He loves us. This is the biggest attribute of God that you have to get a revelation of. Now, as we've already said, it's impossible to fully understand God. And it's even more impossible to sum him up in one word. But if I had to, if you said, give me one word to describe God, instantly, I would say love. Instantly. If I only had one word to tell you who God is, I would say love. In fact, 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. So that's a pretty good definition. God is is love. Now again, some people maybe ignore the fact that he is holy and he is a God of justice because he is those things, but still others ignore the fact that God is love. Now the most famous verse in the entire Bible is John 3.16. Let's look at that this morning. Can we go there to John 3.16? You still with us? We're talking about getting to know God the Father. And if you had a really awesome dad, then praise God for that. You know, then I know that you, you know, you can kind of see godly uh, example out of your dad. And if you didn't have an awesome godly dad, well, hey, that's okay because you got one now. <laughs> You've got the best. You've got God the Father himself. And so John 3.16 I love this verse. Can we just say it all together? We'll be in the New King James on it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That right there is the gospel message. That's a lot of love. To give up your own son to pay the price of everybody else's sins. It makes no sense to me. In my head, I'm like, why in the world would you do that? <laughs> For all these bums, including me, you know, people that curse you, that defy you, that mock you, that, that absolutely taunt you. If you're real, come and do something, huh? huh? You know, there's people, there's scoffers and mockers and wicked people. And God looks at them and says, oh, I love them so much. Oh, I love them. 
he loved us so much. Think about that. Imagine you're down there at, at court. It wouldn't work this way in real life. But imagine there's an evil, wicked, brutal criminal, and the judge is getting ready to pass down his sentence. I sentence you to life. And then all of a sudden, someone from the crowd says, you know what? I get it. He did it. He's wrong. But could you take me instead? And I'll serve their sentence if you'll just let them go free. Like, who would do that? Well, I'll tell you who. God the Father sent his son Jesus. And Jesus, he did it willingly. We should have been the ones getting beaten to a pulp for our sins. But he said, no, 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 no. No, don't touch them. I'll beat me instead. I'll, I'll take it. In fact, on top of that, I'll go to hell in their place. And Ephesians tells us that he descended into the lower parts. And Jesus went into the depths of hell and fought Satan in your place. That is an incomprehensible love. In my mind, I don't get it. In my heart, I believe it. And it's, it makes me very thankful because I wouldn't have stood a chance. None of us could stand before God and argue our way into heaven and say, I know I did all this, but, but I'm, really I've been a really good person. Everyone's going to say they've been a really good person. But check it out. That's not good enough to get into heaven. And so you have to see God the Father as a God of love, as a dad that desperately wants a relationship with you. He's not some negligent father. He wants a relationship with you and wants to be in your life every single day. He is awesome. He is a good, good, good father. I want to show you one final story. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And this is uh, the story of the prodigal son. And again, a lot of you have heard this a million times. And there's people in here that have never heard this story. Let's look at Luke chapter 15. And I believe that out of all of scripture, this is one of the top stories that really demonstrates and illustrates the fatherly love of God. And so Luke chapter 15, and we'll start in verse 18. But to catch you up on this story here, there's a dad that has two sons. And one day the younger son says, dad, I want my cut of the inheritance now. I don't, you know, I don't want to wait for you to die. I want it now. My initial reaction is, you snotty little brat. Come on, why don't you say that, jerk? Uh, but anyway, no, but, the, but hey, he's a better dad than I am. So this, this guy uh, decides, okay, I'll give you your cut of the inheritance now. And wouldn't you know it, being, you know, a young, testosterone-driven young man, he doesn't go out and invest it into some, you know, some great investment. He goes out and parties, he buys all the booze and all the, you know, all the partying and, and just goes and buys everything. I mean, while he's got money, he's got friends. And he wasted all on wild living. And then eventually the money runs out and then the friends run out, right? Because they weren't real anyway. And so this, this young man, he gets a job at a farm feeding the pigs, and we used to have pigs, actually, and I can tell you, they are foul animals, all right? They're delicious for breakfast, but they're foul in the mud. And so this 
this this young man, he is feeding the stinking pigs. And for most of us, that's bad enough. But to a Jewish person, there is no lower level you could get than being beneath swine. And so this man tells himself, you know what? Even the pigs have a better life than I do. They eat better than I do. At least they've got a home. I'm homeless and broke and starving. At least the pigs have a better life than I do. So he comes to this conclusion. Verse 18 of Luke 15. He says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And so he's like, I get it. Hey, I don't expect to be a member of the family anymore. I blew that. Uh, That ship has sailed. It's too late. I don't deserve that. I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking for a job. That's all I'm asking for. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The son was not expecting that. He was expecting to get slapped. He was expecting to get told, you filthy little runaway, how dare you? You know, what? you've got some nerve coming back around the family like that. You ain't one of us. Get out of here. That's what he expected. He had a whole speech prepared on how to beg for a job from his dad. But that's not what the dad had in mind. Wow. And so his son, verse 21, his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. I love that story. Because once again, this kid, for whatever reason, had the wrong idea about the father. But the father didn't seek to pound him and punish him and rub his face and his mistakes. No, no, no. The, dad, the dad's like, no, forget it. For whatever. Forget it, all right? All I care about is that you're here right now, and we are going to celebrate, because it's all I knew, you were dead. Now you're alive. You were lost, but now you are found. That's how a good dad would act when his lost child came home. And that's what God the Father does for us when we come home. A lot of us, man, we've, all of us at some point were lost, but praise God, if you've received him, now you're found. You were dead, but now you're alive. We've all been a prodigal at one point, and the good father, he wasn't here when you walked through these church doors to strike you with lightning or cause an earthquake or smack you around. No, he was here to say, oh, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. Come here, boy. Come here, daughter. I love you, and I want to receive you, and I want to make everything better if you'll just stick with me now. As we study the Trinity out, the biggest thing to start off with is that you need to know that God is your Father. He loves you. 
He will protect you. He'll provide for you. And a million other things that we don't possibly have time to list today. But you need to start getting acquainted more and more with your Father. Talk to Him every day. He wants to be a part of your life. Trust Him for all these things that He's promised. He's not a liar. He'll come through for you. But we need to start growing in our knowledge of God as the Father. And what are we doing? Colossians 2, 7, our roots are growing down into Him. Our lives are being built upon Him. And our faith is growing strong in the truth that we have been taught. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Amen. Can we go ahead and we'll start standing up together? But we all have to come to the place in life where we finally admit that we can't do it on our own. That we need Him. Who in here knows that you need Him? You need Him. Whether you admit it or not, you need Him. And again, a lot of people are waiting for the Father to be angry and punish them, but He's really just standing there with His arms wide open. And to sum it up, I'm telling you today that God is love. So this morning, as we start to wind things down, the most important thing we could do is get you into the right relationship with God. And the way that you get to the Father, you go to the Son, Jesus Christ. He is the bridge for you. He is the, he, he, he's the way, He's the avenue that you get right with God the Father. And so, Someone would say, well, that sounds awfully complicated. It's actually really, really easy because Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if we would believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I'm going to give us a chance to do that today. We're going to say a prayer together. And again, some of you have done this a million times. There's other people that have never done this. Or maybe you're here today. And you at one point had a relationship with God the Father, but for whatever reason, you walked away. You're kind of like that prodigal son we just talked about. Well, God's not here today saying, ah, she's got some nerve coming in my house. No, no, no. He's here with his arms open and saying, I have been waiting for this moment. Would you please come home? It's your day to come home to God the Father today. And it's very, very simple. All we're going to do is pray a prayer together. And if you'll pray it and actually mean it, that's the other part, you've got to actually mean it, actually believe it. If you'll do that, you shall be saved. Isn't that incredible that God makes it that easy? I love this. And so we're going to pray together this morning. I ask that we would bow our heads and close our eyes. And I would like for you to repeat this prayer after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died and that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I promise to live for you. Give me the strength to stay close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Check it out. If that's you and you prayed that prayer with us today, 
listen, we don't believe in just saying some little prayer and then throwing you out there on the streets all on your own and saying, good luck, hope you got it. No, Jesus said that we are to make disciples. What's a disciple? It's someone that closely follows Jesus. And so if you prayed that prayer today and you're like, you know what, I'm serious, I mean it. Well, what we want to do is we want to hook you up with somebody else here from church that could take the next 30 days to mentor you and, and kind of walk you through the next steps of your faith. And we call it a spiritual personal trainer. And so uh, what we do is if you're a lady, we'd hook you up with a lady from church that could uh, text you every day for 30 days. She will pray for you every day for 30 days and beyond. If you got any questions, she'll do that. Or if you're a man, same thing. We'll hook you up with a godly man from church that they're going to text you a Bible verse and a devotion every day, and they're going to pray for you and be there for you to help you get on your feet to get started on the right path. Who thinks that's a pretty good offer right there? Amen. I like that. So if you are interested in that, this is Jose right here. Raise your hand, Jose. All right. If you are interested in that offer, Jose is going to be right over here. I ask you to just come. He'll get your name and phone number, and uh, we will we will get you connected to somebody that can be there for you over this next month and really help you get started, all right? Hey, I'm going to have my prayer team come up together this morning. If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, maybe prayer for your family, prayer for your finances, prayer for your health, whatever, whatever you need prayer for, we believe in the power of prayer. And so we would uh, ask that you just come up right now and uh, and we would love to be in agreement with you and to use our faith. I've asked my uh, brother over there, the one that was kicking the can a while back, uh, to, to lead us in a song this morning. As you know, uh, I'm strange... But I, for my era, but I like hymns a lot. And, uh, and anyway, I've asked him to sing one of my favorite hymns this morning, Holy, Holy, Holy. And, uh, it's a song of worship. And I ask that you just go ahead and sing this, uh, together, uh, as we pray for people. Amen. Let's go. Holy, 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 the Lord. God
merciful and mighty God in three persons blessed Trinity God in three persons blessed but we're going to go ahead and uh, wind things down today. Has anybody received from the Word of God today? Amen. Pray that you have learned some things knowledge-wise, but even more important than that, you've got revelation in your heart from the Word of God that, hey, He's our Father, and He loves us, and He's there for us. Amen. Well, believe it or not, we've got service tonight at 6 o'clock, people. Yeah. All right. So, uh, hey, the Super Bowl for me is going to have to wait. I'm going to be right here hearing the Word of God. And uh, we're not condemning you if you go watch the game. It's, you know, but anyway, so uh, we're going to be here at 6 o'clock tonight. It's going to be absolutely awesome. We want to continue to remind you that uh, the married event is this Friday for all you married couples. And don't miss out on it, man. We're trying our best to do everything we can to give you a healthy marriage and all this stuff and to give you a healthy family. So take advantage of the resources. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to close out in prayer and then do our Barstow faith confession. And you are going to have an awesome week. Who's ready to have the best week so far this year? Amen. I believe it will be. All right, let's go ahead and we are going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for what we've seen in your word today. And Lord, we, we covered a lot of ground, but we thank you for the blessed fact of the Holy Trinity. We've got Father, Son, Holy Spirit with us every day of our lives. How could we lose with that dream team on our side, Lord? And so we give you praise for who you are. And I pray that this truth will become more and more great in our lives. And Lord, I pray for everybody here that we would truly begin to see you as our father, our loving dad that's right there with us. And Lord, you're, you want the best for us. You don't want to, uh, you're not there to jump all over us and, to, and to punish us around, Lord. But Lord, you're here to show us love and to give us the strength and the resources that we need to live for you. We praise your name. And Lord, I ask that you would use us this week to be the light of the world and take the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. We know you're coming back soon and we're going to be ready. We love you and we praise you in Jesus mighty name. Can somebody say amen today? All right. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow and then you can, you know, go do whatever you're going to do. All right. Praise God. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise, and we'll see you tonight.